The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior Matters. What are we going to talk about today, Sissy? Well, I have a a cute young fella that I worked with, and I would like to talk a little bit about some things that happened with him. Uh, One is kind of quick. And then the other is just a fun story that you will enjoy. So I was working as a preschool teacher. We had kindergarten and younger children that we worked with. with, I had other teachers that I was working with. And this little fella at that time was with the other teacher. And she had said to him, if you stay with the group for all of calendar time and all of story time, I will give you a cookie. So this was a really high functioning student and he he just wasn't real big on socializing with with a lot of people. Sure. And he didn't talk that much. People like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people like that. He didn't talk that much at school, although he was very capable of talking. So anyway, he stays with calendar time. He stays with the whole story. It's time to get the cookie. And the teacher said, say, I want a cookie. And he refused to say that. Uh oh. Yeah. And mom, she, the teacher shared that with mom. And mom was pretty frustrated and later said to me, I don't think that was very fair. Sure. Yeah, it's not fair. The school counselor overheard it and said, you know, we call that double jeopardy. You know, he, she held double jeopardy over him. He hadn't, he had, you know, done what she had and then she was expecting more. But anyway, that's not the most fun. We'll revisit okay. that piece of it in a little bit. Yeah. But this young man was, I'm not sure if he had the Asperger label or if he just had the autism label, but later he definitely got the Asperger label. And he had twin siblings that were younger than him. Uh-huh. So that sweet mom had her hands full with you know, a little fella and then twins younger. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. She told me a story later that I thought no one would believe this. I'm going to change just a little bit of the story uh, to protect everybody, but I'm, you know, any privacy people might have, but the parts of the story that will make your eyebrows raise are true. So she had the twins and she had put them down for a nap and John was playing. And so she was making soup. She had made soup. She had given herself a bowl of soup, sat down because it had been a very busy day with John and the twins. And she was about to, you know, she had taken a spoonful of her soup and she's looking at the bowl of soup. And she notices out of the corner of her eye that he passed by and she saw some little drops on the floor following him. Uh oh. And she looked up just in time to see him holding a paint dipped pine cone over her big batch of soup. Oh no. <laughs> and he drops the pine cone into the soup, looks up and sees his mother's expression and realizes that he has made a mistake and he starts screaming and runs out the door, leaves the door open. The the dog starts barking. 
The twins wake up because of the screaming and the barking dog. The dog runs oh, out the goodness. door too. The twins come running in and they run out the door chasing the dog. Oh, goodness. She's running out the door chasing John. You know, it takes her a while to get everything back together, but she gets everybody back in the house. She has John up in his room because she's got to have a minute before she figures out what she's going to do about him. Sure, of course. She had to time herself out. The, the dog is back safe in the house. The twins are back down for the nap. And she thinks, you know, I do still have that bowl of soup <laughs> that I could enjoy now that I've got everybody settled. And she walks into the kitchen and the dog is up on the table oh, eating. No. Poor thing. <laughs> I can just remember thinking that sounds like a scene from a Doris Day movie, right? It does. It does. And gut lover, you know, these parents have such, they walk such different in, in such different shoes, you know? And I mean, it kind of makes me think about, you know, when, when teachers or administrators or, or whatever, whoever say things like, well, if mom would just do it at home, dot, 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 you know, or, um, and I always respond with, go spend an hour in that house. Just an hour. <laughs> yeah, just spend one hour. And I also tell them, you know, we went to school for this. We get paid for it. Um, moms and dads woke up one day and had no choice. And it's 24-7. And, you know, that's, that's such a funny story. And I'm sure there are so many stories like that. I know we're hoping to speak with a mom real soon of a young man that I've known since he was three and I think he's graduated which really dates me but she walks a very different mile and she's made the very best of it and you know most of the parents do like that mom probably trying to with that last bowl of soup but you know I just think it's really important when when we get frustrated with home that we really kind of put ourselves in their shoes you know and walk not a mile but a few feet yeah, because uh, I've worked with families who, you know, don't have running water and the teacher wants them to work with the child on their homework. These parents are just trying to figure out how they're going to get their kids bathed. So, yeah, yeah, that young man, he's probably graduated, too. But even as a very young child, even before he started kindergarten, he, he switched over and he was in my class and he had drawn what was obvious to me was the solar system. And so you know, rather than say, tell me, da, 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 you know, or, you know, it require him to label. I just was like, tell me about your picture. Sure. He labeled each and every planet, you know, and they were pretty much proportional. When he was a kindergartner, he had watched the Mrs. Frizzle, uh -huh. no magic school bus uh -huh. video. And he would like, he could draw the heart with <laughs> how the blood flowed into the ventricles and, and yeah. I'm just amazing kid. Yeah. I know that he went on to just do very, very well. I had a student named Helen who was really obsessed with the inner workings of the body and she could feel the blood rushing. She said she could feel the blood rushing through her veins. And it really, she's a very bright girl, but it really impacted her social situations because as soon as she would say hello to someone, she'd say, can I see your veins? Yeah. You know, yeah. and kids that know knew Helen were like, sure, Helen, here you go. Him or her. 
But, you know, we would go to restaurants. This is back in the day when we drove kids around and did all kinds of things. I remember we were at a restaurant and the, when a waiter would walk up, the first question she would ask is, is your hair naturally curly or straight? And so the waiter was like, can I get you something to drink? You know, and she would just say, but I, is your hair naturally curly or straight? But anyway, going back to biology, fast forward and Helen actually became a medical transcriptionist. She wasn't super fast, but her accuracy was spot on. And so she did jobs, you know, per job, not per hour and things like that. And that was a really good thing for her. She also has a YouTube channel where she practices like uh, Led Zeppelin songs and The Who and some, you know, really old school rock and roll music. I, I just love her. She was really my first introduction into kid with kids who, you know, needed less academic support and more social and behavioral support. And I learned a lot from her. She had trigger words as well. So when I was going over to meet with her mom and her dad and her mom said she hates the word please. And so, you know, <laughs> that's good to know on your first visit, you know, I didn't say please, but we working on please because she, she would say things like if so if she burped and I'd say please stop burping she'd say don't say p-l-e-a-s-e and I'd say well as long as you're burping I'm going to say please stop burping she'd go are you sad that your mom's in heaven just to kind of redirect me she was really really slick really slick um gosh I learned a lot from that young lady but talk about using interest talk about using interests or, or obsessions even to, to her advantage is she's all about the human body and how it functions and now, you know, direct that into a job. Yeah. But I was also thinking I had a student who was finishing up elementary and his trigger word was hush. Mm. Well, just imagine how many times <laughs> a kid might hear hush and people would, a teacher would meet you at the door and say, he can't hear the word hush. Please don't say the word hush. <laughs> And, and I can remember thinking he's going to middle school next year. <laughs> what are the chances those kids are going to use that word, you know, and even, especially if they find out it'll cause him to, you know, go a little yeah. crazy. We do have to shape those kinds of behaviors. Yeah. You know, I have, remember I have, a, I have a young man who's in high school and ever since he was in elementary school, he's scripts. Yeah. For those who don't know, scripting is when a person repeats phrases or dialogues from shows or movies or things that they've heard. And he scripts a lot and sometimes it's loud. And we've tried so many different things like giving him a script location or, you know, having scripts to when to script and when not to script and everything. But if you would say, Jeremy, be quiet, he'd go meow <laughs> and he'd just meow at you. Or if you'd say shh or quiet mouth, meow, meow. He doesn't do that anymore. Yeah, there was another word trigger that I thought of when you were talking about hush. Um, oh, my friend in San Antonio, her trigger was girl. Yeah. You know me. I mean, I always say like, you're such a strong girl. Oh my goodness. Good job, sweet girl. You know? Yeah. And if I did, I did that one time and I swear I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry because it made her scream so loud we called that her level three scream you know but it was a problem because people are gonna say girl right right who's this or, or lady or what have you like what's your name young lady or who's this pretty lady or who's this pretty girl so we kind of went around and around and around with the parents and finally was able to have her tolerate it yeah um, but it took a long time because it was so ingrained by the time I met her she was in middle school and 
everybody just kind of avoided it for that long. So anyway. Yeah. Our, our young man with the word hush, we just said, you know, I mean, I can remember saying to him, I know there's this word that you don't like, and I'm not going to say it today. I want you to know I'm not going to say it today. And I'm probably not going to say it tomorrow, but someday I'm going to say the word that you don't like. And, you know, on a really good day, I would let him know today's the day. I'm not saying it right now, but we are going to say that word today. Aww. And then set it up that something really fun was following and say, you know, so, wow, you did such a great job on your reading. I'm about to say the word. I'm going to say the word. And then we're going to, you know, go get a snack from the, from the snack machine. So are you ready? Hush. Let's go get a snack from the snack machine. And, you know, just, and, you know building the rapport, giving him some warning, letting him hear it. Because, you know, going to middle school, I yeah. was really concerned about what middle school was going to be like for him if the kids found out that he didn't like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Middle school's hard already. You know, it's funny. I was there. I was in a district today, this morning, and it was a little guy. Um, I'll call him Trevor. And when I first met Trevor, he was in a, a life skills classroom. And unfortunately, it was not a stellar teacher. And he um, was very driven to get the iPad and would leave the classroom, run out of the campus, um, run onto the playground with the iPad, had to be restrained. It was just a really ugly situation and it was, it was just bad. And, you know, the teacher ended up getting hurt and had to go on FMLA and he just really wasn't improving and parents were involved and, you know, everybody was trying their best, but he's just a really, you know, he's just a kid who is very, very driven. We decided to take him out of that classroom and put him and create a program, right? So we created a structured learning class. I went there today and it was like night and day. He is happy, he's smiling, he's interacting. And the, the, cha the game changer was the structure and the physical structure and the, vis the visual structure and the adults. So he was transitioning in from music or PE and evidently he had not walked next to the adults. And so he walked in and the teacher said, Trevor, I think that we need to go back and walk and then we can come back and get our, our star for our, for our token system. So you can get your, your treasure box. And he was kind of not happy about it. And she said, look, you only need one more star. We'll just go back with Mrs. Smith. We'll walk and we'll come back and get our star. And he, you know, he kind of stomped a little bit, but he did it. And right before he walked out with the para paraprofessional, the paraprofessional said, Trevor, we're going to walk back to that classroom and you're going to walk back to this classroom next to me and you're going to get a star for your token system. And he did it and he came in and, you know, if we had tried that back in the, when he was in the other situation, it, it, you, there's no way, you know, it just would not have worked. And so it's just always amazing to me, like that front loading that you did with your guy, I'm going to say the word today and then we're going to do something really fun. And that's, you know, that's one of those things that I call it a style. You know, some teachers have it and some teachers don't. And, you know, you obviously had it and the teacher and the paraprofessional this morning obviously had it. But, you know, some people just aren't, they just don't think ahead like that. They don't, you know, anticipate this is going to be a problem. So let's sandwich it between two really fun things and maybe it won't be a problem. So I love that story. And I love the double jeopardy story. Yes. Poor kid. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I have a question that pulls in 
the double jeopardy piece, we don't say as behavior analysts, we don't say double jeopardy, but here's my question. As part of our story today, we had an example of a teacher expecting John to verbalize his request for a cookie, even though he had already completed the tasks assigned in order to get the cookie. Cookies were known reinforcers for John. From a behavior analyst's point of view, what does this demonstrate? Okay. A, this is unethical. B, this violates a three-term contingency for increasing behavior. Okay. C, there is nothing wrong with this. Children who can speak but are reluctant should be required to speak before receiving a treat. Okay. Or D, this is just mean. (laughs) Good choices. Well, I can see people taking the test that might view it as uh, view C as the correct answer, because if he can talk, he should be required. And it is a little bit mean, in my opinion, and it might be a little bit ethical in other people's opinions. But I don't know that that really, you know, meets the, the code of ethics or not. But I do think that it violates the three-term contingency, right? Because the three-term contingency is always antecedent behavior consequence, not antecedent behavior, more behavior consequence, right? Right. So, yeah. If the behavior she was looking for was in our story, you know, sitting for circle time, uh, calendar and story, and she doesn't give him the cookie, there we know it's a reinforcer, but now you've just violated the three-term contingency and he's not sure when he, why he's getting the cookie uh, or if he's going to get the cookie. Sure. And it's, it's a, it's an error, but not unethical, maybe once, you know, if you, if you continuously did that kind of thing, that would probably be unethical. And although it's mean, we don't really talk, you know, from a analyst point of view. From a behavior analytic perspective. Yeah say that's mean or whatever yeah so yeah um although i do like for children who can talk to talk of course what was my three-term contingency so maybe what you could say instead next time or what she could have said is when you sit for circle time and what was the second part she wanted calendar story time and then you get your cookie yeah so if she had said do you sit for calendar and you sit for circle sit for story time and then request the cookie, I'll give you a cookie, right? Right. So then the, then the criteria for reinforcement includes ask. Ask for cookie. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and what happens with that is you lose, you lose credibility with the kid, you know, because if you don't deliver the reinforcer, like he thinks he's going to get it. And for a kid on the spectrum, he, that's not part of the contingency that the contingency is I sat for both activities. I get the cookie. And so then she just lost her credibility and quite frankly, might lose instructional control, you know? Absolutely. He's not going to sit now for the calendar or story time because the cookie didn't follow. And you know, what she might've had is a choice of cookies, right? And then, then there would have been a natural reason for him to say animal crap or, you know, anything. That is a piece that I think we all have to remember. If you make a contract, a contingency contract with Mm -hmm. a child or anyone, you should keep your contract. Absolutely. You know, I have a lot of kids, their behavioral contracts because we sign it. So they participate in the development of the contract and then I sign it 
the teacher signs it, the student signs it. And I have one little guy that was like, we need to get the coach to sign it, the principal, the music teacher, the, and we did, we got everybody to sign it. And back in the day, Sissy, you might remember this. Do you remember when I used to use three part NCR paper? It was like carbon paper yeah. back in the old days. And I had done a contract just kind of away. <laughs> do it. I just threw some of that away. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember I did a contract on on just on the fly on that three part NCR paper, and um, he was like, "We need we need more." And I said, "Okay, why? Because here's one for me, here's one for you, and here's one for the teacher." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, no, we need to. I need one. I need one for that, you know." And so we just made Xerox copies, but they really do like that contract because it's a binding document, just like the IEP, you know, and just like. The BIP, the Individual Education Plan and the Behavior Intervention Plan, they're legally binding documents to some kids on that on the spectrum. And so, you know, if you don't follow through, then you've just lost instructional control. And we all know that until you pair yourself with reinforcers, instructional control is not going to happen. Yeah, the contract for if you've written it out is a concrete representation of an abstract concept. And we know sure. kids on the spectrum really like that concrete piece that sometimes the abstract is easy for to get lost and so he's he wants plenty of copies because he's going to share it with yeah. everybody I remember I had a teacher who did a contract and uh she made a mistake and the contract was you know if you stay in class and do your work you can have all these great things and if you hit anybody in the hallway you go to ISS uh, and so he comes in the next day and he goes, now, what do I have to do for ISS? Is it hit somebody or yell at them? Oh, <laughs> We're like, oh no, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> That's rethink so, that one. <laughs> no, we've talked about that before, how a lot of our kids like ISS because, or in school suspension because they get all their work done. There are no social demands. And, you know, those are the areas that we need to work on most. So anyway, that was a great story. Thanks for sharing. Absolutely. And now don't we have, if people would like to po post on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, Instagram. They have a question for us? Yes. And on the Facebook post, there's a WeChat button that comes straight to me. So if you have any comments, questions, need for clarification about this or any other episode, please rate and review on the podcast app that you're using or go to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and like or follow our pages. Thanks so much, everybody. We will talk with you very soon. Goodbye. Bye.